All right, well, good evening. We're going to be doing um, catechism question number 13. And the question is, how did God create man? And the answer to that very straightforward, simple question is God created man, male and female, after his own image, in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, with dominion over the creatures. Now, when I was preparing for this lesson, I immediately understood some of those things and was very excited to be able to speak about them. But then a few of the other things I was a little like, "Uh, I think I know what he's trying to say. But being able to kind of pull it together and think what I, what um, the Baptist Catechism from 1689 uh, shared and what it really means to understand it enough to teach it to somebody else are two different things. So as I was looking around for more information on this, I, kind of, I found the Westminster uh, Larger Confession, which is another catechism done by our Presbyterian brothers, and um, they had a little bit fuller explanation about it, and it kind of moved my thinking forward um, to be able to be better prepared to explain to exposit this for you. And in their catechism, they said, after God made man, or made all the other creatures, he created man, male and female, formed the body of the man of the dust of the ground, and the woman of the rib of the man. He endued, which means gave, them with living, reasonable, and immortal souls, made them after his own image, Imago Dei. In knowledge... Righteousness and holiness, having the law of God written in their hearts and power to fulfill it and dominion over the creatures, yet subject, um, yet, yet subject to fall. So they were not perfect in the sense that they could never sin, but they were made without sin. Okay. Let's break down all of all of what's being said in this very complex answer, the catechism answer covers six parts. We will learn about each of them. And the first part being that God is the creator and man is the creature. So there is a lot of Bible verses that I'll be touching on. Some of them um, will be brief, but others will cover five, six, seven, eight verses Um, So it would be a good idea if you don't already have a Bible to go run and grab one. I'll let you know when you're expected to flip to them. Uh, The shorter ones I will be covering for you and just sharing, okay? So as we move into the idea of God is the creator and man is the creature, we're going to see that you are one of two things in the universe. You're either the creator or you are the creature, Okay? Whether that creature is a fully developed human, okay? a pre-human, known as scientifically a fetus, but to us a pre-human. You are fully human at that point. Um, whether you are a sea slug or a skink or a velociraptor or any other created um, animal, you are a creature. Creation also covers everything that is not alive, okay? It covers the plants. Obviously, they're alive. Grasses, sponges, uh, but it also covers inanimate objects. Anything that you can touch is created by God, okay? The air that goes inside your body and out of your body, created by God. The universe itself, created by God, 
um, we're going to start right in Genesis 5-2. And it says, male and female, he, God, created them and he, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. So man is going to be one of these words that we're going to kind of move in and out of using it as um, a describer for all of mankind. Okay, So if, if you hear man, there's probably a good chance that it's referring to anyone that is a human. So Sabrina is part of mankind. I'm part of mankind. Even some of you middle school boys <laughs> are part of mankind, although the hold is very tenuous they're at more, middle school time. They're closer to the <laughs> Yes, <laughs> very close to Velociraptor. Mixed between that and the sea slug. We know that God is the creator. There is only one creator. Everything else is creation. The universe, galaxies, the solar system, stars, planets, plants, animals, and people were all made by God within the span of six days. Within 144 hours, God put the universe and everything in it into perfect place in harmony. After each of the first five days, God ended each day of creation by declaring that it was good. However, at the end of day six, God declared that it was very good. This is not a declaration that says days one through five were lacking in any way something from their creation. Rather, day six reveals God's final creation, a creature that for the first time in the weak old universe's time was something different, something more special than all previously created things, man. Man, as we will see, will both passively by, the, by their very existence and because of being made in God's image have a very special place in creation. Although planets, stars, plants, and animals give glory to God, they do that only through their existence. But man is different because man can do it actively. I'd like you guys to turn to Psalms chapter 96, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. So I'll give you a moment to get there. So we're going to Psalms 96. If you're looking for it and you're not sure where it is, open your Bible down the middle and slightly work your way to the left. And you should come across Psalm 96. It covers a lot of ground. There's lots of Psalms. Um, and you want to get to Psalm 96. Starting at verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. 
strength, and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. So we see that the existence of these inanimate things like the sea, the fields, the forests, all give God glory. But they don't give him active glory in the same way that, that man does. The glory that they give God is because they exist, because he put them in place. And he made the seas do what they do. The tides moving in and out because he put a moon in the sky. He developed gravity. He who put time into existence. All of these things happened not because of chance, not because of some random combination of things, but because a living and active God put them into place. You breathe in and out right now as I speak, not because you even think about it, but because an autonomic system inside of you causes your body to breathe, your heart to beat, your eyes to blink. And even if I run long, your mouths to yawn. (laughs) Man is more special because we can actively worship our God. We can recognize that there is a God. A squirrel can't. A goldfish can't. But people, adults, middle school boys, high school girls, we all have the capacity to worship the only God in existence. We saw that the psalmist discussed the fact that that our God is better than all other gods and goes out of his way to explain that they are worthless idols. They don't exist. There is only one God. And he created all things, including us. Second, a second thing that we learned from our catechism question is that God created people to be either male or female. Okay? Look around. One thing I've always kind of laughed at, and I don't know how long it's even gone on, but the guys always have our side for the most part. Sometimes we have a visitor come spend some time on our side. Sometimes we have a guy on the girl's side. It's not decided. We've, we certainly don't mandate it. Um, I think years ago when we were at our old building, we had one big mega section and we all mixed ourselves in. Um, but 
there are two distinct sexes. Okay? We see clearly in Genesis uh, one twenty-seven. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Okay? We live in a time when the definitions of what a man is and what a woman is are being changed by some and even attempted to be erased by others. Terms like gender fluid and transgender are pushed into society in an attempt to redefine what God has decreed. Man is born a man. Woman is born a woman. We live in a time when scripture has been actively thrown down in our society. Even some churches who claim to be gods are embracing this nonsense. And even though God created a man to be a man and a woman to be a woman, these people could be... These people could be actually the opposite of what God has created. Some will say to, to this, Stephen, I feel like I've always been a woman trapped in a man's body. The reply to them is that our feelings are in no way equal to scripture. Christians believe in the idea of sola scriptura, scripture alone, not sola sensum, meaning feelings alone. We live in a, a time when feelings trump almost everything. This made me feel bad. Was it wrong? It made me feel bad. What we feel does not match with what is. Reality is real. Our feelings can be false. They can be skewed. They can be outright wrong. I've had feelings before that I wanted to really dispense some uh, frontier justice on people. I've had feelings of complete and utter contempt and hate for people. But that was wrong. I don't trust my feelings hardly ever. You shouldn't either. To the people who say they have always known that in their heart they really were a different gender, a different biological sex, Jeremiah describes this well in Jeremiah 17, 9, saying, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Don't follow your heart. Your heart will lead you astray because your heart is radically broken. Even with the Son inside of you and the Holy Spirit working in you, your heart will lead you into folly, into madness. It will run you headlong into sin. Anyone that tells you, I just follow my heart, that person is a moron. <laughs> you should not listen to them. Don't follow them. They will lead you as quickly as they can into a mire. Anytime our feelings come up against what the Bible says, our feelings are wrong and scripture is right. That is true here as well. Our society will tell you today that women are men, men are women, and that any disagreement with this silly notion is hate. Scripture clearly points out to, uh, to man being man and woman being woman. 
from the sixth day of creation when they were created, any trip through social media or other or many colleges and high school campuses will show you now the, this tedious strain of sin and how it has infected our society. This stands in direct opposition to God's infallibility and sovereignty. If you say that God created you wrongly, you are stating he made a mistake. He is no longer perfect. If you say that you can change yourself from what God created, you are denying his sovereignty over his creation. You, as the creature, have decided to tell the creator that he has no authority over his creation. People are actively out there saying that you, a man can be a woman. A woman can be a man. The Bible is explicitly clear. You are created as either or. There is not a third gender or if you go to Facebook, 57 different genders. <laughs> there are two. Male, female. Pronouns have become a visible culture war issue on this larger topic. People put their pronouns in things like introductions, bios, and on even resumes. They do this to signal their allyship to their transgender community. Allyship is this idea that I am actively going out of my way to align myself with you. So if I was an insane person... I would be into the Oakland A's and I would come along with those people and I would show them that I valued them and that they really have a good stadium deep down inside. <laughs> In reality, it's a pit. Okay, But I might signal that I am allied with them because I want to make connections. I want to show those woeful people that they are, in fact, valuable. Okay? Liking a sports team or pooing on a sports team is silly, okay? Um, I know that Nick and Clint, although they love their A's, um, don't view whether I like them or not as some sort of desire that they need me to agree with them. Apparently you do, though. <laughs> I haven't even mentioned the team that I like. Um, so that, But when it comes to the area of being affirming, Recognizing, oh, you can be a gay Christian. You can be a Christian who used to be a man and is now a, a woman or is a woman but is now a they, them. The world will say that. Some places that call themselves churches will try to affirm that and say that not only is that right, but it's in God's word. That is categorically wrong. They are lying to themselves, but even more so, they're being they're being disgraceful of what God has said. They make him a liar every time they say that that is possible. It is not. There are even Christians who are doing this. They say this is loving. They say that this will open the door for them to share the gospel. Friends, do you know what opens the door to share the gospel? The truth does. People can't know the truth about anything until they really have 
uh, understanding of truth about God. When your eyes are opened to the fact that there is a being who is outside of time, who created time and created everything that we see, know, experience, have experienced, will experience. When you recognize that that being created you and you are are woefully broken and the only reason that you exist is because he willed it. When you recognize that that is this God that we have, then you begin to see truth. When your eyes are open to the fact that you desperately need the Lord, then you are open to truth. And until then, you might just get lucky and get a, and get a piece of truth the same way that when I play darts, sometimes I get lucky and I hit the little bullseye in the middle. I don't have any skill. I can't even see it. <laughs> but sometimes it just happens. A, what do they say? A broke clock is right twice a day because it's not running. So two times a day, it, it is right. Friends, without, without an understanding of who God is and your need for him, you are like that broken clock. And as the Lord opens your eyes and draws you near to him by the power of his son, you begin to see more truth. You see that all this that is created, including people, are made because God put it into place. We can't hide or slide by the truth that God has declared in, in, to all mankind. We have been created by God to be who we are. This should be seen as a blessing. We are not chance. We are beings that God has fashioned from the very moment of our conception. Psalms 139.14 says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. We are not chance, random atoms colliding into each other. We exist because a God put us into place. You're alive because God made you alive. People in their sin suppress this truth. When people are saying, no, Stephen, you fool, a man can be a woman. They were a woman the whole time, but the outside was just different. They are suppressing the truth, shoving it down, keeping it from being visible. Romans 1.18 declares this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And our society does a really great job of suppressing the truth. And hiding it. Today, today is the second day of Pride Month. Pride Month is a month dedicated to the idea that um, men can be women. Women can be men. Men can date men. Women can date women. Things can date things. It's utter nonsense. It spits in the face of a God that created men and women distinctly and separate, and beautiful, and amazing. 
The best thing that we can do. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm good. The best thing that we can do for someone who wants or demands or even kindly asks us to give our pronouns or to use the pronouns that, that signify a gender or lack of gender is to explain to them that we have a God that does not make mistakes. We worship a God who is perfect in all ways. Who, after days of creating the universe, made the first man and also made every human to be what he wanted them to be. Nick was made a man because God made Nick a man. Samantha is a woman because God made her a woman. That is amazing. To bring nothing into existence and then to create a, thi- a thing, a person that can talk, breathe, eat, dance, laugh, and worship that creator. Point, th- point three. Man is made in the image of God. Okay? Not only did God create us, but he made us in his own image. And when I picked this up, everybody talked, always talks about the image of God, the image of God. Well, what does that mean? How do you explain it? Okay. And we go to, we go to Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Again, we see that this word man here is not being used to describe only men and that somehow you ladies were evolved or atoms clashed together to make you, but mankind. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Greg Gilbert writes on the image of God, something that I thought was very well stated. To be created in the image of God means many things. We human beings reflect God's character and nature in our rationality, our creativity, even our ability to relate to God and one another. But the image of God does not merely refer to what we are. It also refers to what God created us to do. And if you go back to the catechisms earlier, we are created to glorify God in a special way. I don't agree with everything that John Piper says, but his comments on the image of God is, um, is stated well. I'm saying, this is, John, uh, this is John Piper talking. I'm saying that we were created after his image in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, we do not mean we know all God knows, not that we are a fountain of righteousness and holiness the way that he is. We mean that we are capable of sharing his knowledge and righteousness and holiness in a relationship of trust and love, unlike any other creature under the angels. So anything on the earth, okay? Uh, a spider, a beautiful boxer, dog, not 
the boxer, the person, <laughs> a condor, or a sea slug. None of those things, although special and unique and fascinating, the fact that they too were created from nothing, none of them can glorify God in the way that you and I can. Their existence is glorification to God, but they don't actively get to worship him like us, the image bearers, get to. Man is a whole person, physically and spiritually, at the time of creation. Okay? God did not create man with any inherent flaw in him. In some sense, like God, because we can reflect his own holy character, but not equal with God. Man is not God. Man is not a little God. Man is a man. Okay? All of us in here are people. We are image bearers, but we are not God. We can't create anything that isn't already given to us. Oh, but I can draw a really good picture, Steve. I'm sure you can. But that is not something that you created. Well, I went and bought the pencil. I'm sure you did. But look, I can make this. I built this house. Did you create the trees? Well, well I planted them. Did you create the knowledge that that seed needed to start? Did you make the rain? Did you make the dirt? No matter what, we only take the tools that God's already created and he's put into our sandbox. Okay. Like, like uh, Minecraft. You can make some really awesome stuff. My kid made a whole movie theater, like, oh, like multiplex movie theater. It was pretty impressive. But he could only create in that game the tools that the creator of the game put. We're in the same boat. Okay? We, but I think of really great stuff. I've heard you talk. You don't create really great stuff. Okay? But even the ideas that we bring into existence are not anything that we really created. They come from a God who created language, who created your brain. Okay? You, nothing comes from that which wasn't created by God. Man is not God. Man is accountable to God. God is not accountable to man in any way. In the creature-creator uh, dynamic, the creator holds all the cards. The creature has nothing that the creator does not give them. Man being made in the image of God was not lost at or after the fall. So God created man to be upright, to be without sin. But even when man blew it, even when Adam ruined God's creation by being disobedient, we did not lose the mark of being image bearers of God. Man still kept that. In James 3, 7 to 10, it says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. We see that James is going on a diatribe of the dangers of the tongue. So closely related to the heart that we read about in Jeremiah. Because a lot of times, the biggest things that get me in trouble is that my heart is desperately wicked. Even as I've been saved for 
27 years. My heart is desperately wicked at times. And it's a, just a very short trip from the things that I think about and the attitudes that I have to come right out of my mouth. Nick has probably seen it. I know Clint's seen it. There are times when my mouth gets the rest of me in trouble. And James is talking about that. He's pointing out how amazing man is at being able to tame everything. Okay, go to the circus. <laughs> See some of the things that those people can do and get the animals to do. Like a sea world and get a kill a whale to like flop around and do everything. But he goes on and he starts talking about the tongue. And he says, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. See that even as we're doing vile things and saying terrible things about each other, that we still retain that likeness of God, that imago Dei is not taken away from man, even as we are fallen. From the same mouths come blessings and cursings, and he says, my brothers, this should not be. Okay, so he's not just talking to the dudes, ladies, talking to us all. Okay. One of the things that um, I was excited to be able to teach tonight on, or I had actually planned to teach this to a bunch of adults who I know already agree with me. <laughs> so that's nice. One of the things that I really wanted to... Um, teach out and to point out is this idea about the right to life. Okay? The right to be alive. The right to life, as image bearers, we have the right to be alive so long as God permits it. Okay? I don't get to be alive as long as I want to be alive. I get to be alive as long as the creator allows it. If he wanted to say, Stephen, you're no longer going to be alive I don't get a say in that. In the creator-creation dynamic, the creator gets to say it all. The creature is along for the ride. Right to life stands in direct and open opposition to the death cult of abortion. Now, this, when I use the term death cult, it's not to describe some sort of religious organization that worships some demon or bows down to Satan, but it's a, it's a phrase that's used to describe this concept of these people that are not only accepting of the concept of abortion, but are actively excited for it. They think it's just grand, when in actuality, it's murder. Many in this culture will tell you that a pregnant woman is not carrying a baby, but rather a fetus. We're changing names means, oh, it's a different thing. It's not a baby. It's a fetus. Okay. Some, some, pregnant, uh, some pregnant mothers will tell you that they are carrying their baby but that another pregnant woman who wants to have an abortion is carrying a fetus. So they'll talk about, oh, this is my baby. I'm going to have a gender reveal party. I'm going to paint the baby's room pink or blue because we're having a girl or a boy. 
but they will then say that that other lady who's going to get abortion is having a fetus. They won't carry that truth that not only are they carrying a baby, they are a full human, even if not born yet, but so is that other person who's going to get an abortion. That person is also carrying a baby. They changed the name of baby to fetus in an attempt to disinfect their disgusting worldview into something without any moral implication. Some in the culture go so far as to view pregnancy as some sort of vile impact on their freedoms and rights. They will go so far as to declare that an unborn human life is just a clump, a clump of cells or an invader. Some will even make videos bragging about their abortions in an attempt to revel in their sin and mock pro-life people. It's funny, I was actually flipping through Twitter and just a few days ago, there was a lady who was pretending to be all sad that she was going to have a baby and then flipped the script and was like, ha ha, I'm already getting an abortion. This is desperately sick and wicked. We see the Bible explicitly describing children as a blessing. Psalm 127 verses 3 to 5 reads, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. We know that our Lord creates everything. Children are no exception to the creator-creature dynamic. Okay? The The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Okay? Clearly, the psalmist is laying out, not just for dads, not just for moms, but for both, that kids are blessings. I have two. They are amazing. I love my kids. Nick's got like 100. He really loves kids. Okay? I get the privilege every year of teaching anywhere between 60 and this upcoming year, a hundred kids. All of them are blessings, whether they do their homework or not, whether they show up to my class late or not, whether they sneak off the team's call or not, they are blessings because God created them. They're image bearers. Whether we're talking about an oldster like me, young, beautiful, handsome people like you, or a baby that is three days, from, three days conceived. They are all humans. 100%. Even if you're not fully formed, you're two months along. You're going to be born in seven months, maybe seven and a half. You are fully human. Even if you are not capable of surviving at that moment outside of the cool place that God put you, you are still human. Those babies are still babies. Jesus, speaking with his disciples, being parted from them for a while after his ascension, describes this separation using an analogy that shows us his value for human life and how people view and should view new life. In John 16, 21, saying, When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her time has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into this world. And don't confuse yourselves or be deceived when someone says, well, it's not a baby until it's born. No, it's a baby the moment that it's conceived. It is a full human 
maybe not able to survive outside, but it is fully human in the image of God. At the moment of each person's conception, they are fully human. They will lack the ability to survive outside of their mother for a few months, but they are still fully human. They may not have a heart or a brain or understanding, but they are fully human, created by God. Abortion murders that life, just the same as if a murderer would kill any person who was born. Let's say that I decided to kill Henry Neves. <laughs> who would blame me? He's a middle schooler. <laughs> it should not matter whether Henry is, what are you, Henry, 10 or 11? I need to know so I figure out how many years I'm in the slammer for. Okay. <laughs> 10. Whether he's 10 years old or if he was three months old, but we haven't seen him yet because he hasn't born yet. We think of our birthday as the day that we were born. That's the day your mom shut you out. You're born. That's the first day of being human. No. The first day of being human was nine months before your birthday. You were fully human then. The location of where a person is does not determine if they are in fact still a person. God, state, or God states they are human. In recent years, ultrasounds have greatly improved in their ability to show pre-born human beings. All people, whether born or on the way to being born, are image bearers of God and worthy of life because of it. It is not a sin for us to kill a pig and turn it into delicious pulled pork. Or bacon. Or bacon. It is not a sin for us to kill a cow and turn it into prime rib, which is one of the best meats ever. It is a sin for us to kill unborn babies. It's wrong. Please do not eat them. Oh my gosh. Scoot down one seat. God made man in knowledge. And here we're jumping to um, Colossians 3, 5 through 10. So um, go to the New Testament. So you're going to go near to the end of the book. Okay. Uh, if you find Romans, scoot yourself a little bit to the right. If you're looking at 1 John, scoot yourself a little bit to the left. Colossians 3, verses 5 through 10. And while you guys are doing that, I'm going to get a drink. Colossians is a letter, much like Corinthians that uh, Nick's working us through and Paul's working us through on Sundays. Whoops. Colossians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. And in, in chapter 3, verses 5 through 10, he writes, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices 
And you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. God created man with what he would need to recognize God as God. So at the time that Adam and Eve were created, they had everything they needed to recognize that God was God. They had everything that they needed to obey his commandments and to live rightly. Before the fall, man could, not, man could be fully obedient to his creator. Man had the ability to choose whether to be obedient or disobedient to God's commands. He chose, referring here to Adam, chose to be disobedient. From that point on, man could only choose to be disobedient. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Once Adam was disobedient, we could only be disobedient. We could not choose to do good. We could not choose to be obedient to God. We don't want the things of God. The man who is not saved, the woman who is not saved, does not want to be obedient. They run to wickedness. And if you don't think that's true, you go watch some three-year-old kids. Because boy, are they cute, but they are hell-bound monsters. <laughs> even as we prepare, I'm sorry, even as we people doing things or see people doing things that are noble and right. And we're talking about just non-believers here. It is not out of a love for a creator who made them why they're being obedient. But it is out of a selfish motive to do good so that others will affirm their goodness and do good back to them. So we, we might have people who obey the laws. I'm not going to steal from you. Okay? Now I'm not going to steal from you because God clearly says don't steal from people. In the past, I wouldn't have stolen from you because I want you to see that I don't steal from you so you can trust me because I need to trust you. Not because I'm, I'm obeying something that God said don't do, but because I need you to see that so you don't do something bad to me. As Christians, we are freed from the slavery of sin. We go to Romans 6, starting at verse 15. So if, you would, uh, if you're at Colossians, go to the left, maybe... Uh, a couple chapters, a couple books, and you will get to Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 6. Starting at verse 15. What then? This is again Paul talking to the church in Rome. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one who you obey, either to sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Or to which, yeah, to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. 
I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present yourselves as members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Believers have the Holy Spirit in us. He works sanctification in us. The evidence of his work in our lives is that we strive to be obedient to God because we want to honor him. When we do sin, and we will sin, we recognize that our sin is wrong and it dishonors our God. We repent and we trust that God will strive with us in our repentance. Hebrews, 5, or Hebrews 12, 5-6 five through, five through reads, and have you forgotten the exhortation that, ad- that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. When we sin and we are children of God, we should want God to, God to discipline us. It's evidence that we're his kids. The Lord's discipline is our evidence that he is working in our lives, revealing the knowledge of the Savior and his mighty work to, ha- to save us to God. God also made man fully righteous and holy in the garden. Ephesians four seventeen through 24 says, Now... That I, or I'm sorry. Now this I say and testify to the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Now, funny thing is he's actually talking to <laughs> Gentiles. Here, Gentiles is being used to describe unsaved people. In their futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But this is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Man reflects God's glory as his image. Just as the knowledge of himself, God made man, he also made him to be fully righteous and holy. Adam, when created met God's standard of righteousness and holiness as he had not sinned. Adam's disobedience destroyed that for all mankind. He's, our, he's a federal head of man. If he would have been righteous, we all would have been righteous through him. Adam's sin affected all of us. Adam's disobedience destroyed that for all mankind. Through God calling us to salvation, through his son's death, burial, and resurrection, and through the sanctification of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can be righteous and holy. Because God the Father sees us as righteous. 
and holy because of the Son's blood covering our sin. In our last section, God gave man dominion over the earth. Okay? So, in this creator-creation dynamic, God has given man some authority. Okay? And that authority is dominion over everything else. Dominion is sovereignty and control. So God being God is in charge of everything. He controls all things. But God has given a measure of that to man. Back in Genesis 1.28, we're going all the way to the front. You don't have to turn there. I'll, I'll read it. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in it in its fruits. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breaths of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. We, were given, we are given dominion over the earth. Dominion is defined as sovereignty and control. We as people have a responsibility to care for what, is, what God has given us. There is no animal murder as there is with people. PETA is wrong when it states that meat is murder. As with, such, as with all things, God will judge our stewardship of his creation that he has given us dominion over. We are not to ruin the environment because there is some earth mother that will be displeased. We shouldn't abuse animals because God doesn't view them as or God doesn't view them as highly as he does people. So it's okay to do anything we want to them. We, having been blessed by God with everything, are grateful and responsible with his creation. We take care of it because it's God's and treating his creation well is evidence that we love him. In closing, God made all of us. We did not happen to be born due to luck or chance or fate. We came into being because God made us, man, to be in fellowship with him. When you look in the mirror to brush your teeth, and middle scores, you do need to brush your teeth. At least twice a day. At least. Take a moment and look at yourself. God made you. You're not special because you're special. You're special because God made you. He knew you and everything you would or will do before creation ever happened. If you call yourself a Christian, thank God for all that he has done or that for all that he does and has done for you and will do for you. If you're not a Christian, Please come and talk with any of the leaders. We want to tell you about God who did all of this with just his words. You were created by his voice, not by anything else. How should we change because man is made in God's image? We absolutely should live our lives with a deep sense of gratitude to a God that created us. We should look at the people around us as image bearers 
and treat them well, yes, because we want them to be nice to us too. Like there's definitely a part of that. Like I try not to be mean to people. But even much more than that, they're image bearers. God created them in his image. We should show them respect. We should show them kindness because they are God's creation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the night, Lord. Thank you for creating us. We wouldn't be here to even know about you without you first creating us, putting us into existence, Father. We wouldn't know of your great majesty and your mercy and your justice if you didn't let us know that. Please, Lord, give us eyes to see that you created all everything. We are testaments to your power. Our existence is evidence of your greatness. We are not great because we are us. We're great because you're a great God and you made us. Keep us safe as we go off for this week, Lord, and please keep Paul and Anna safe. Keep fire away from them. Bring them back to us, rested, and excited to continue to be on the mission field here in Antioch at First Family Church, Father. Thank you for everything. Amen.